Support for this podcast comes from San Francisco International Airport. At SFO, you can discover award-winning flavors and unique shops all before takeoff. Learn more about what's at SFO at flysfo.com. Hi there. I'm Randa Fattah from ThruLine. If you're listening to this podcast, you know that KQED produces exceptional storytelling that keeps you informed, inspired, and entertained. Their podcasts cover issues from your neighborhood to the entire country and everything in between. Support this work today. You can help us continue to bring quality podcasts to your ears. Just head to donate.kqed.org podcast. That's donate.kqed.org podcast. From KQED. It's the California Report magazine. Love it or hate it, Valentine's Day is coming up. So we're bringing you stories all about love, California style. We'll meet a pair of swimmers in a cold water romance, and we'll hear the calls they use to help find each other in the choppy San Francisco Bay. I didn't pick the seal sound, it picked me. That's just what came out, and it stuck. Plus, we'll meet a Palm Springs DJ who's been broadcasting for more than 75 years, connecting lovers on the airwaves. Love is a powerful, powerful medicine, whether you're falling in love or out of love. And an L.A. couple who might seem like an unexpected pair. One fights against violence. The other is a boxer. I feel like I benefit so much from being in relationship with him to see the ways that masculinity can be strong and tender and vulnerable. I'm Sasha Coca, and this is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. First, let's meet that California DJ. He's 93, barely five and a half feet tall, and he sends kisses through his microphone. Let me give you the big one. Here's the big one. He's been on the air since 1943, and he was one of the first DJs to play rock and roll on the West Coast. He trademarked the term oldies but goodies. Anyway, here we go. Earth Angel going out to Lydia from Mr. Rubin. I love you so much. Here's some kisses. You're my Earth Angel. Smooth operator, we're in the love zone. Welcome to the love zone. The love zone is a tiny studio in Palm Springs where I'm watching him broadcast. Sound meters flicker and phone lines light up as callers vie to get in the queue to make a dedication. At 93, Art still pumps out an oldies show six days a week, nonstop, from 7 p.m. to midnight. After three quarters of a century on the air, he's still as smooth as ever. Hey, let me tell you something. There's a lot of smooth operators in this part of our program. <laughs> and a lot of love in the air, that's for sure. Arts spent his career here in California, broadcasting from San Francisco in the 1940s and from Los Angeles for many decades afterwards. Monica, Boss Radio for Southern California. I'll be back right after the big story 
with the Art LeBeau K-Day Parade of Stars. But These days, tens of thousands of listeners stream his show online or tune in on more than a dozen radio stations across California. He gets thousands of letters from listeners in prison. Many of those calling in are the partners and lovers of people who are incarcerated. Hi, you got the Art LeBeau connection. That's me. Who is this? Rosie Morales from Somewhere. Rosie, okay, Rosie calls in every single night with Let's a message to her husband, Scrappy. He's serving a life sentence without parole in Kern Valley State Prison in Delano. For the next year and a half, he's in solitary confinement and can't talk to her on the phone. Say something to him. Papi, I got your mail. I love you so much. You're my best friend. My everything I only have eyes for you. I'll meet you in my dreams and my pops. Love you. Mwah, mwah, mwah. That was beautiful. And well, Scrappy sends in dedications, too. Sometimes he dedicates the same wife. song back to his wife. Well, here's one. Let's, let's add this one in. A really great song called Fire and Desire by Rick James and Tina Marie. To my wife, Rosie Morales, from your husband, Scrappy says, thank you for always loving me. You're my everything. I love you. And here's some kisses. And here's fire and desire. Wow. It's really good to see you again. Yes, that fire and desire, that's one of our special songs because my husband sings it to me all the time. I desire his love, and he's a fire to my life. I I always say when you love someone, you don't give up on that love. What I love about Arla is just that he's able to communicate to our loved ones when we're not able to physically or on the phone. He's there for us when we can't be there for them. He brings that spark into relationships. He's just an amazing DJ. Like, I I would listen to him until my last breath. They're there every night, man and wife, doing it to each other, you know, dedications. It's just kind of like, you know, conjugal, but not conjugal. <laughs> they get the smooch from your lips. Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I, I kiss a lot on the air. <laughs> I've met a, some nice girls that way. They call in and want to know what time I got off the air and stuff like that, you know. I thought, this isn't such a bad business. Because <laughs> I was little and scrawny, wasn't the big he-man that women go for in high school. <laughs> Did you ever meet your sweethearts Lots through these them. dedications? Lots of them. <laughs> but, <laughs> but I'm not married at present. But wives are still friendly. That's good. I think that's a big thing. I'm single. I pay no alimony. Before Art LeBeau fell in love with his wives or with love songs, he fell in love with radio. And uh, I was hooked on radio since I was eight. Eight years old. And there were no television or anything. And my sister sent us a radio always this box came and uh, it talked as a teenager art moved from salt lake city to los angeles to live with his older sister and he started a ham radio station in his bedroom closet you could hear it for about 10 blocks from my house but it wasn't just his neighbors listening one day two federal agents came to talk to him about his illegal broadcasting tower Yes, if you shut it down right away, we're going to drive by here tomorrow. If your antenna's down, why then, you know, you've 
I'm not going to press any charges. Because they got a big kick out of the fact that there was this dumb kid, you know, not so dumb, but at that age, doing this music on the radio. When Art turned 18, he walked into radio station KSAN in San Francisco and asked for a job. He had a radio operator's license, but no experience. And a last name the station manager thought sounded too ethnic for the airwaves in 1943. So Art Ignoyan, the son of Armenian immigrants, took the name of the station's receptionist, and he became Art LeBeau. But his music and his fans have never been whitewashed. He's beloved by African-American and Latinx listeners across the West. Hot rods and lowriders booming his tunes from their tricked-out cars. He built his fan base in the 1950s and 60s when he did something considered radical back then, bringing people together for public rock and roll dance parties that were racially integrated and open to all ages. They were held in El Monte, a suburb of Los Angeles. Well, those of you from Southern California will never forget the song I'm going to play next. Frank Zappa wrote a song called Memories of El Monte with one of the members of his crew, Ray Collins. They're both gone now, but I hope they're smiling wherever they are. And we're going to play that song that Mom will remember and Dad will remember and, uh, and Uncle Luis will remember. It's called Memories of El Monte. I'm all alone Feeling so blue Thinking about you And the love we once knew And each time I do It brings back those memories Of El Monte Art LeBeau produced several landmark albums out of those concerts, celebrating the way music brought multiracial audiences together. And I, I'm happy that it's everybody. If you come to one of our concerts, you'll see a mixture, a complete mixture of what we have in L.A. Art's still doing live shows with bands, wearing a bedazzled tracksuit and a sparkly bowler hat. He's got several planned this month for Valentine's Day in places like Anaheim, San Diego, and Phoenix. That's on top of broadcasting six nights a week. This tiny 93-year-old with a big heart hasn't gotten tired of playing matchmaker every night. I'm going to play you that old-timer you're looking for, and I'm going to play the one by the Skyliners, which happens to be my favorite song. We're also going to send this one out to husband Christian Hernandez at Tehachapi from Joanna Ayala. And uh, Joanna sends you lots of kisses, Christian, plays this song by the Skyliners, Since I Don't Have You. Since I don't have you, I don't have But what is it about love songs, you know, with the lyrics like that, that's, that speak to you? I mean, you spend hours and hours every day playing these songs that are about the heart, that are about love. Well, love is a powerful, powerful medicine. And whether you're falling in love or out of love, you know, so we, we put our stamp on it. People pick the music on the Art LeBeau connection. And you get to get a peek into their lives, too, because you're hearing them make a dedication, make a love song to somebody. It's like an on-air valentine. 
And also, a dedication to you, Mom Proxy, from your son Chai and the boys, George, Mike, Hapo, Lep, Vince, Running Bear, and Hawaiian. Says, Mom, you have a heart of gold. You got so much to love and love in you that your love could light up a small country. Close your eyes now. Think back to the good old days of early rock and roll. Sincerely, by the moon glows. Sincerely. Art LeBeau says he knows people his age always say this kind of thing. But he is nostalgic for the old days, a time when people used to have a little more kindness for each other. People are people, you know, and they still have the same basic wants, and everyone is capable of love and affection, and if they could just have more of it for each other. So, here's to Art LeBeau, disc jockey of love, as he starts his 76th year on the airwaves. When you think of aphrodisiacs, you probably think of sappy love songs, maybe oysters, maybe good wine, not swimming in freezing cold water. But for one California couple, the soggy depths of the San Francisco Bay have helped stoke their romance. KQED's Chloe Veltman brings us their story. On a cold, gray winter morning, Roberta Guise and John Rahoski greet each other on the dock. Hey, Bruiser. How you doing, Dale? The couple, who's in their 70s, swims in the bay several times a week. It's played a central role in their relationship for more than 30 years. You could say our lives are designed around the swimming schedule. (laughs) They're longtime members of the South End Rowing Club, a San Francisco institution dating back to the 1870s. He's sporting a black speedo, a red swim cap and bright green fins. She's in a black one-piece and canary yellow cap. And they're ready for action. Oh, what a beautiful morning! Oh, what a beautiful day. I've got a wonderful feeling. Swimming's just going my way. The conditions on this particular morning aren't exactly beautiful. A big storm has just blown through, leaving debris all over the shore and shallows. Oh, it's sloshy. Oh, look at this log. Look at this. There's a fast-moving current. You have to go in backwards with fins. And the water's chilly. Even by these veteran swimmers' standards, it's around 50 degrees. So to stay safe, Roberta and John have developed this highly distinctive call and response system. I'll do the rebel yell. (coughs) And she'll do her uh, call. I call it the dying seal, but I don't think Roberta likes that name. John tells me his call, the rebel yell, puts him in the fighting spirit. It's what the um, Confederate soldiers used to do before they charged the Union line. It's supposed to scare everybody. Roberta's call is also wild, but in a different way. I didn't pick the seal sound, it picked me. That's just what came out, and it stuck. 
They met at the club in the 1980s and started using their calls soon after they became involved in a clandestine romance. Well, originally we didn't want people to know that we had made it official. So that, I believe, is how we started those calls. You mean they were like a secret code? They were like a secret code, yes, originally. They'd use the calls to find out if the other one was around at the club. I would call to you to see if you were here. And if I heard something, then I knew you were here, and vice versa, so... After Roberta and John went public about their relationship, they also started to put their calls to a different use. When Roberta and I started swimming together more regularly, it was a good way to signal to each other. He'll know by how far away the call is where I am in the water and he'll know to, to locate me. Roberta recently had a hip replacement and John has dealt with heart arrhythmia so their piercing vocalisations can be especially useful in rough conditions, like on this particular morning, about 15 minutes into their swim. They've been keeping up a steady stroke side by side, but because John's wearing fins, in no time he's pulled far ahead. John! Roberta can't reach John. Hey! Can't hit me, can you? Roberta's treading water, trying to figure out which of the several heads bobbing about in the distance belongs to her husband. I can't tell which is you! It's time to bring out the dying seal. <coughs> At first, no luck. So she tries again. <coughs> then, suddenly... John swims towards his wife. They embrace and kiss and belt out one last call. That's a dying That's a dying yeah. And then they make their way back to the shore. For the California Report, I'm Chloe Veltman. Thanks to San Francisco's South End Rowing Club and rowers Eli Rubel and Virginia Wake for their help getting Chloe out on a boat so she could record those cold water calls. And now we're going to hear about two people in love who might seem like an unexpected pair. One's a pro boxer, and the other has worked for years to end violence. In December, Patricio Manuel, who's known as Cacahuate or Peanut in the boxing ring, became the first transgender boxer to fight and win a pro match in the U.S. His partner, Amita Swadin, is a survivor of sexual violence and documents the stories of LGBTQ people of color who are survivors. By the way, Amita goes by the pronouns they, them, theirs. Amita and Patricio have been together for four years, and they live in Los Angeles. Hey there, thanks for being on the California Report magazine. Thank you so much for inviting us, Sasha. Yes, thank you so much. So how did you meet? Well, we met back in 2014, uh, but we didn't really get to know each other until I hired Patricio as my personal trainer about six months later. (laughs) That's amazing. So Patricio, what drew you to Amita? One of the things that stands out the most, um, I'm so invested in my authenticity of living my life as as I see is as true. And Amita being who they are, um, 
being a survivor and holding space for survivors and really it's their ability to hold on to that truth and um, wield it as power when so many people would see it as something that should be kept quiet. I think that was really the main thing that, that drew me to them. Patricio, you won your first pro match at a ring in India in the Coachella Valley in December. What was that moment like for you? I was happy. Um, I was definitely very happy. But I feel like I had already envisioned that victory so many times that it wasn't, it wasn't a surprise. It was just like, this is what was meant to be, and it happened. And what about for you, Amita? What was that like for you sitting in the stands watching? My favorite moment, of course, was being able to uh, jump into his arms backstage after, after the fight and just have a moment to really bask in the, uh, the victory with him. And now undefeated in his first professional career, Patricio Cacahuate Victorious in his professional debut. And you can see the satisfaction on his face. There were some people who were booing that night at the fight. Patricio, what was that like for you? You know, as a black trans man, like prejudice isn't something that's new to me. Um, so, you know, having these people try to ruin my moment by, by booing, um, you know, honestly, it didn't even make me falter at all. Amita, were you a boxing fan before meeting Patricio? No, not at all. I am not even a sports fan. So uh, I've learned a lot about boxing in the past four years, of course, but really learned from scratch. What have you learned about boxing and have your views on boxing changed through being with Patricio? Boxing is a sport in which people all step into the ring because they have a really interesting story. And I'm a storyteller. In the work that I do, I help trauma survivors create social change through wielding our stories as tools. And so I was really drawn to the sport once I understood it as a sport of stories. But hasn't it been upsetting for you to watch the person you love get pummeled in the boxing ring? When your partner is a black man in the United States, you fear for him the minute he walks out the door of your house. I worry a lot more about the threat of police violence against his life than I do about the impact of boxing. You're the founder and director of Mirror Memoirs. You collect the stories of LGBTQ people of color who've survived sexual violence. And you testified in front of Congress against the appointment of Jeff Sessions as attorney general in 2017. I just want to play a little bit of that tape and get you to tell us what that moment was like. I am here today on behalf of rape and sexual assault survivors to urge you not to confirm Senator Sessions as attorney general. As a publicly out survivor of child sexual abuse, many people have downplayed the impact of this violence on my present day life. I live with complex post-traumatic stress disorder and struggle every day to be well. It directly and negatively impacts me when people minimize sexual assault. So to hear Senator Sessions initially say President-elect Trump comments do not constitute sexual assault, and then to consider him leading the Department of Justice has been incredibly worrisome. I felt a deep responsibility because I had been asked by the Democratic Party to 
testify on behalf of all survivors of sexual violence and all members of the LGBTQ population in the United States. So that's literally millions of people. So mostly I felt a deep sense of responsibility and just really wanted to um, put into public record something that made sense for the people that I um, am in solidarity with and the, the communities that I'm part of. What have you each learned from each other about vulnerability and and about strength? You know, I think what I have learned most is that masculinity is not inherently patriarchal and masculinity is not inherently toxic. There's just an energy to masculinity and it is um, a choice. But I feel like I benefit so much from being in relationship with him to see the ways that masculinity can be strong and tender and vulnerable and in partnership with femininity. And that's such a gift. A big lesson Amita has taught me through just who they are in this world um, is how we all have the ability to heal ourselves. But most importantly, it's how we can heal each other. And, you know, I think this relationship um, is allowing me to help heal other people. And I'm incredibly grateful for that. What plans do you guys have for the future? I'm looking some, to build something big with Amitha for the long haul. And what that may look like, I think we're still figuring out and developing. But, you know, I don't believe we can't achieve any of our goals. I agree. The sky's the limit, especially in terms of being able to use our love as fuel to create even more and bigger containers and events and networks and resources for our people to become as free and as well as we can be in this world. That's Patricio Cacahuate Manuel, the first trans boxer to win a pro match in the U.S., and his partner Amita Swadin, an anti-violence advocate and founder of Mirror Memoirs. Today's show has been all about people in love, but next week we're bringing you the stories of people who have called it quits. It's our post-Valentine's Day breakup show, and we want to hear from you about the song that helped you get over a broken heart or nursed you through a bad split. Hi, this is Thomas Uyo. Although you had asked for one song that helped uh, me mend a broken heart, I have two. Back in college, I played Fleetwood Max Silver Springs over and over again. It was, and some may argue, it's still the best song about unrequited love ever written. That haunt song helped me get through that devastating time. Looking back, if I had the chance to offer up a song to mend my broken heart to my younger self, I tell them to listen to the first lines of Harry Nielsen's song, You're Breaking My Heart. You're breaking my heart, you're tearing it apart so I tell my younger self that it's okay to be angry. Thanks a lot. All I wanna do is have a good time, now I'm blue. Call us at 415-830-6580. That's 415-830-6580. And in a couple sentences, leave us a message about your breakup song and how it helped you through. We might use your message on our show next week for our California Breakup Playlist.
And that's our love show for this week. The California Report magazine is a production of KQED Public Radio in San Francisco. You can listen to us wherever you are. Subscribe to our podcast. Just look for the bear wearing earbuds. And if our show makes your heart beat faster, or if you want to break up with us, drop us a note at calreport at kqed.org. Our director this week is Bianca Taylor. Our technical producer is Seal Muller. And we had additional engineering help from Katie McMurrin and Chris Hoff. Hey, let me tell you something. There's a lot of smooth operators in this part of our program. Our senior editor is Victoria Mauleon. Our online producer is David Marks. Our intern is Asal Asanapur. Special thanks this week to Marisol Medina Cadena, Brian Mendez, and Joanna Morones for all their help on the Art LeBeau story. The California Report's editorial team includes Susie Racho, Vinnie Tong, Ethan Lindsay, and Holly Kernan. I'm Sasha Coca. Happy Valentine's Day. This is the California Report magazine. Your state, your stories. Support for the California Report comes from the James Irvine Foundation, committed to a California where all low-income workers have the power to advance economically. Learn more at irvine.org. College Futures Foundation. More graduates for a thriving California. Learn more at collegefutures.org. And Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose Fund for Strategic Innovation supports transformative ideas that benefit humanity while protecting the natural world, recognizing through science the interdependence of all living systems. Do you love learning about the San Francisco Bay Area? Its history, its people, its unique blend of cultures? Then you should check out The Bay Curious Book. I'm Katrina Schwartz, editor and producer on The Bay Curious Podcast, and I'm here to let you know that for the month of May, we've worked out a sweet deal for KQED podcast listeners. Right now, you can get The Bay Curious ebook for $1.99. That's right, $1.99. Just search for Bay Curious wherever you get your ebooks or find a link in our show notes. This offer does expire at the end of the month, though, so you'll want to act on it fast. Happy reading! Hey, it's Glenn Washington from Snap Judgment. And if you love what you're hearing, and I know you love what you're hearing, please consider becoming a KQED member. You get special access to cool events, behind-the-scenes footage, and so much more. Plus, you'll sleep better at night knowing you did your part for the community you depend upon. It's in you. Please be in it. Visit donate.kqed.org slash podcasts to sign up now. That's podcast with an S. Thanks.